of her children who seemed destined to plague her. The others were good children. Bertie was, well, not so much bad. Perhaps he was too young for that and it would come later, as careless, thoughtless, frivolous, and, she feared, rapidly rushing along the road to ruin. He needed the firm hand of his father, and that hand had been removed. The tragedy was that Bertie was the eldest son, Prince of Wales and heir to the throne, and he was responsible for his father's death. Darling, beloved, most wonderful Albert had not told her why he must go to Cambridge. If he had not died, and she had not seen the letter from Baron Stockmar, among those not yet put away on his desk, she would not have known that Bertie had been involved in a disgraceful affair with an actress when he was in Ireland at the Curragh camp. This affair had gone as far as it was possible for such an affair to go. The Queen shuddered at the implication. And according to the Baron was one of the scandals being discussed all over Europe. How sad Albert must have been when he read of his son's conduct, and how noble of him to try to keep this from her knowledge in order to save her pain. Instead, he had gone out, when already ill, in dreadful weather, to remonstrate with his frivolous son. His fever had progressed, and he had come home to his deathbed. I shall never, never forgive Bertie, she told herself vehemently. Dear Alice was a comfort. She had grown up in a few days, changing from a child to a woman. Only a short time ago she had become betrothed to Prince Louis of Hesse, with Albert's consent. What a delightful day that had been, when dear Louis, so much in love, had been unable to hide his feelings any more and had proposed to Alice. Dear child, she was young, nearly eighteen, but then Vicky had been married at seventeen and was now a mother. The Queen's tears spurted forth afresh, How Albert had loved his eldest daughter. In fact, there were times when she believed she'd been a little jealous of Vicky. She had disliked anything that took his mind from her, his wife, even his devotion to their eldest daughter. How wrong of her, and how good Albert had always been. Now she was back to the eternal question, what was she going to do without Albert? She thought of the others, Alfred, who was nearly seventeen, Helena, whom Albert had called Lenchen, and who was fifteen, Louise, thirteen, Arthur, eleven, Leopold, eight, and baby Beatrice, four. Nine children, and now she was remembering how she had dreaded their arrivals and the dreary months of pregnancy, how she had complained, been irritable, and lost her temper— and that dear saint had always been there to guide her. And now he was gone. Everything brought her back to that dreadful truth. There should be a mausoleum for him. She would superintend its erection herself. It would help to keep her sane, for when the enormity of her grief forced itself upon her, she felt as though she were going mad. Life without Albert, going on and on for years alone. She realised with a pang that she was only forty-two, which was not really old. But I cannot live long without him, 
she reassured herself. It will be a mausoleum for us both. Soon I shall be lying beside him. Alice came to her, and she told her of her plan. It shall be at Frogmore, she said. I shall choose the spot, and Bertie must be there with me when I do so. She shivered, but she could not speak of Bertie's behaviour to an unmarried girl. It would have been different if Vicky had been there. Yes, Mamma, said Alice. It will be something for us to do. Alice was competent and cool, although grief-stricken herself. But Alice had been her mother's daughter. It was Vicky who had been her father's. Bertie was waiting at Frogmore to receive her. Eyes averted, reading her thoughts. His father's murderer, our own son. Oh, what a price he has paid for his wicked.